Welcome everyone to a new installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Frederick Clemenson, Alexander Gunnison and Nicholas Winstrom to discuss breaking the chains of innovation and overcoming barriers and driving progress. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we get into the topic in any more detail, we'll work our way around the group with some introductions to each other. So, Frederick, would you like to kick us off? Yes, thanks a lot, Abby, and I'm happy to to be here. Uh, my name is, as, as Abby said, Frederick Thousand. I'm a Senior Director of Engineering at Neo4j the leader in graph databases and it's a yeah in in, in this term you say it's a newly established category of databases uh, but it's it's uh, well established and, and become a a, um, a uh, well-known technology uh, which has led Neo4j to receive the largest funding in DB history uh, 325 million dollars in in 2021 so and this data space as we are working in is is uh, incredibly huge so so we have a extreme fiddly big tam total addressable market and in our company we we are like 10 directors is working together with uh, about 220 engineers in in uh, various agile teams across uh, uk and and sweden mainly and and europe so but we have the engineering offices in london and malmo in, in south of sweden and then, then others spread around remotely. My role is to work with other managers that report to me and also directly with two of our cloud teams, our orchestration team and platform team working on uh, Kubernetes and, and how to operate and run our graph database as a service. Uh, previously, I've been in, in the biometrics industry uh, a long time so so uh, but but uh, now at the project that's short about me lovely thank you frederick um alexander would you like to introduce yourself next sure thanks yes yeah, so i'm alexander gunderson i'm a product manager at easy park for one of the app teams we are currently six app teams and we are seven 10 15 backend teams mm-hmm. so we are fairly large r d organization at the moment. I think there's some 200, 250 people there at the moment. So EasyPark is a uh, company that focuses on parking. So we uh, have various products and services that we offer to our cities and parking operators uh, upstream as well as um, parking solutions downstream to pay for parking. And uh, a little bit about me, I've been working at Easybook for five years and prior to that I had two own tech startups. I was trying to start a uh, social network for lawyers in Sweden and then after that I was trying to um, have a subscription service for ebooks which was probably the the better one of the two 
And after that, I also helped my wife start a dog grooming salon where I was uh, doing most of the back office work to help her succeed. And then I ended up at Eastbrook. So that's all money. Perfect. Lovely. Um, and last but not least, Nicholas. No. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can now. Great. I'm still having some audio issues, but we, I think we have to go with the laptop microphone here. Sorry for that. But uh, yeah, my name is uh, Niklas Gellström. I'm uh, 30 years old, from originally from Arnsundsvik, uh, down in northern Sweden, mostly known for a hockey team and uh, the Fjellraven company. And uh, I'm currently working in, in Ericsson as a product owner or operational product owner. Uh, previously, I've been working as a team lead for several different teams. Uh, so I am very interested in uh, leadership and uh, creating innovative, agile work methodologies, you could say, uh, but still very young in the scene that try to learn as much as possible. Then, yeah, in my spare time, I, I go to the gym. Try to be outside in the winter as much as possible, ride snowmobiles and uh, ice skating. Nice. Sounds good. Um, well, lovely. Now that we all know you all a bit better, we'll get stuck into the questions that you've all prepared. And as usual, we'll make our way around the group, asking your own questions and sharing your thoughts about our topic of breaking the chains of innovation. So first up is you, Alexander, and you asked, what are some of the characteristics of a team? in its constellation of members or its surrounding environment or others that you think helps it become innovative. So tell us a bit more about your question and why you've asked it. Yeah, I thought that this would be a good topic to discuss. <clears throat> I've um, I've had, I've been leading several teams at Easy Park and also at my own startups. And I've seen various um, success in how they operate and work with each other and the kind of flow that they are managing to achieve so i thought that this would be a very interesting topic to touch on um so basically uh, i would be very curious to see if you have any any uh, interesting insights here that you've seen work at your two companies i'll leave that question open to anyone that wants to jump on it you want to start or i think i have several uh, things i i would say is uh, like important or it, it, of course it Depends a bit on how you tackling the question or from what area, but I would say like generally one of the characteristics that you should have, and that I believe it would be having Ericsson, where we try to focus on a lot is is uh, speak up environments where you try to get everyone's voices heard, like regardless of their status or stature in the hierarchy of the company, everyone gets to voice their opinions and, and you listen to everyone equally. Uh, I think a lot of innovative idea comes from uh, from people like working deep in the in the tech. So I think that is a very important part of it. No, I I fully agree. I think it's 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 something that needs to be built into the culture. Like uh, that it's 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 the best ideas that win. And, and 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 to get the best ideas out there, you have to have an environment that that is like safe and, and everyone feel comfortable in in uh, in speaking up and speaking their mind and, and share their ideas so so how how do you how do you get that uh, in 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 a, in a company so so um, we, we have we have some of our values uh, like uh, intellectually honest conversations is, is one of our values that that we think that that should be be uh, on on this line helping everyone to 
to make sure that the best idea wins, basically. So regardless of, of if it's uh, from a, a newly hired junior engineer or, or a, a someone with a long tenure either either in the industry or at our company with with uh, with a long CV and, and, and background. So so um, I think that's that's really important. Yeah, that's very interesting because what I've seen work uh, in the teams that I've been um, either leading or that I've uh, worked closely with is that um, there's actually good with some friction. So, and you don't get that friction unless the team members actually feel like they can have ownership of what they do and that they can question anything that is about to be done and also are very clear about their responsibilities and ownership of their domain. And uh, I think having various backgrounds and diverse cultures in that team, it really helps with creating that positive friction and uh, like leaning into that friction, not necessarily into conflict, but into a good kind of um, chit chat back and forth about details, not necessarily the general direction of where you want to go, but um, in details is actually how we've gone into flow and work really well. And that's also that little friction also creates some kind of um, um, it makes the team members extra proud of what they're doing because uh, um, that tends to lead to better results as well. This is what I've seen at least. But you don't want too much friction, right? Because because I mean I mean you want you may may want some because you will that will make sure that you have a better idea and uh, that you twist and turn your own idea and, and make sure that it, it, it stands the test kind of. So, but it also means that you have to be strong and, and, and really like, uh, be able to put your idea and, and, and position forward in, in, in that setting. So, but if you, if you have a, if, if you do have the best idea, but you don't have the, the persona where you, where you are strong in that way, that you're ready to counter the, the opposite view. Then, then the best idea might might fall out in, in in that setting. So, so it's a balance on 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 how much friction and there should be in, in in those discussions. Which is, but I but if if it's too strong individuals or teams or sides, then then the friction will be will be will be fruitful to uh, to sort out the ins and outs of of, of the two sides. Yeah, hundred percent. And then to add to that is that. You know, you always will have some very strong members of each team, and some are more comfortable speaking up their mind uh, in in voice, and some are more comfortable in writing. Uh, and having a good balancing act of letting everyone be heard, like you mentioned before, um, uh, in whatever medium that is most suitable to them, I think it's uh, is a win for the team. That's what I've seen at least. How do you how do you accomplish this? Do you have any any ceremonies or formats that you try to follow to uh, to to make this happen um we usually try to make it very clear that you know we we should trust each other and we should be able to speak up our minds and um doing that is expected of everyone uh, it's expected of everyone to share what they believe so that kind of stuff, regardless if something is fairly straightforward and um and you kind of need to lead by example and make sure that the team feels that they can uh, question decisions uh, so that 
so that they don't feel like everything is handed on a silver plate and you know it's more of an execution mode rather than uh, anything is questionable that's a hard balancing act to do um and that needs to be that grant has to be handed down from upwards i feel like so if the if the company itself is not empowering their teams in a way that allows them to have that freedom to explore and to to chart their own course in a general direction then that becomes also difficult for the team itself to to um, it becomes too restrictive I feel like. right mm-hmm. yeah i think this is, yeah, i agree but uh we, we wrote a bit in, in the chat before about this anti-fragility concept uh, does this in any way go against the idea of not having because to my understanding the idea of anti-fragility is that the more friction the better pretty much that you strive in in, in adaptation if you have as many obstacles as possible is that something that goes against this uh, idea of like how do you find the balance here of what is too much friction and what is just enough friction or... um, I'm not sure I don't think it goes against that actually um, Doesn't yeah, it depend sorry. on the team? Like, if the team is very strong, like they know each other, they feel safe around each other, then then there can be, however, how how much friction, whatever friction there is, is it's okay mm-hmm. because they will be able to to tackle it and handle it and work with it anyway because they're so safe and secure in that environment that they are able to to share and and and, and contribute uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it comes down to how well developed the team is in, in, in that setting. Then you can have yeah. a lot of friction. But if it's a new team or, or, or a, a, a team that needs more development, then, then uh, too much friction will, 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 will be uh, damaging. In, in mm. It can become more argumentative instead of discussions. Yeah. Yep. You would have, a take, have to take more of a facilitator role rather than, uh, you know, setting the the course and ambitions. So kind trying to avoid being the one that intervenes with unnecessary um, opinions. Mm. Nice. Lovely. Well we'll move on to the second question then and it's from you, Nicholas. And you ask how to maintain an innovative and creative mindset among developers in a more and more remote environment. So tell us a bit more about your question. Yeah, so yeah, my question obviously comes from 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 the pandemic and having been remote for, for several years or a few years. Uh, and I feel at least from my point of view that we are missing a bit when we were working more remotely, we are missing a bit of the camaraderie or, or the teamwork that we used to have when everyone was in the office all the time. Uh, and also a lot of the like water cooler or coffee area discussions that we, we used to have in the office. How do we, do you see a similar problem or do you, how do you tackle this? And also, do you also work in a more remote environment now with the post pandemic? And... Yeah, I can, I can jump in here. So eSpark uh, currently is live in 27 countries and we are some 55 uh, nationalities working within eSpark group and we are by default spread out in basically all of these countries but we have uh, some um, hubs in stockholm amsterdam and atlanta in the us and so there's 
the default has become that the vast majority of us are working remote or distributed. And um, um, what I've seen is that actually that went super smooth during the pandemic. When the pandemic started, the transition was barely noticed. Uh, and what I could see was that there was actually a, a fair bit increase in productivity. But also this uh, camaraderie, as you mentioned, uh, definitely subsided. Um, um, uh, you, we've had a few of those meetups yeah. with teams and with the whole company, and there's been a massive boost in um, in joy and excitement about where the company is heading, and uh, just uh, you know feeling that you know your coworkers on a more personal level has definitely helped out. So. Uh, uh, in having a mix between the two, like a hybrid, it, it's something that I think probably might be the optimal. But e having either only office or only remote, with maybe some uh, quarterly meetups, I think would probably be the best. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, if we are working, if we are working remotely, I think uh, making sure we're making time for the, the meetups and as you said getting to know each other on a more personal level is, is very important otherwise you just become a team's picture or similar right yeah i think i think frequent meetups is is uh, definitely needed too especially if we talk about innovation because because that's if, if you're just knocking down roadmap items then then being remote if you already know what to do being remote might help you focus and, and, yeah. and as you say increase performance uh, or productivity um, but when it comes to innovation i think it, it's definitely needed to to meet up uh, much yeah. more to to within the team but also to make teams meet each other in in, in bigger companies so so because um, i think that's that's where yeah the sparks come out in uh, in, in in from an innovation perspective yeah. and sure more, many many bright or great ideas come from individuals but if they share it and, and others chime in, bring their context into that idea, that it often becomes more successful and, and, and greater. So, so, but you can sit in your in your chamber and and, and, and uh, invent something, but but to make it a really great invention, it needs uh, polishing or, or collaboration. Yeah, I actually think that's how the uh, the helix, the DNA helix, was uh, invented or discovered. I think that was mm. the two guys that. Uh, found it, found it, or discovered it. They were uh, working in their chambers separately in their labs, and then uh, it was during their coffee breaks or long walks that they jointly discovered this uh, by having discussions. Mm. So that's definitely some lessons to learn there. Yeah, yeah. Many spaghetti are stronger than one spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then from a perspective of, uh, for example, like bringing in new people into the workforce or competence sharing between colleagues and things like that, how how do you handle that in a more, like making sure that the, that people, veterans are sharing their experiences with maybe newer employees or like you, some people might have seen a similar problem before. How do you make sure that some other people don't get stuck on issues that are maybe common to others? I'm not sure if this is part of uh, Easy Park's stage as a company, but it, we did not have a lot of documentation really about anything when I started five years ago. Yeah. And 
there's I've seen a stronger demand for the need of good documentation. Mm. And uh, the latest couple of recruits that we've had, they said that I've never been through such an intense but good onboarding uh, week no. um, before. So um, I think that's a big win when you work with remote or distributed teams that rather than because um, uh, before you could you know walk around in the office and sit down with half an hour you know uh, from chair to chair to get some some good insights from veterans but that's not as suitable or needed anymore yeah I think that's very important I agree but I think it's often something that gets a bit forgotten or, or people are a bit lazy with it's not so fun creating the documentation maybe but it's as you said it's very very good to have because it's there yeah, documentation or knowledge sharing sessions or, or um, uh, you can have stack overflow, internal stack overflow for just your company mm-hmm. and, and those kind of uh, tools. Um, have, have any of you changed like, because working, if, if you decide to remote or do to um, remote teams completely, have that changed your like what you look for in the interview process in, in how to how you how you collect people in, 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 the, t- in the team in any way? I'm actually not a part of the interview process. Uh, I might be at the very end stage uh-huh. to check for col- culture fit, but I'm usually not the one uh, checking the uh, the candidates in the beginning. That's uh, usually the engineering managers or the devs themselves. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they if they look for other things. That if if you're fully remote, if you are very if you work much more extrovert or sharing or talkative or like like that kind of persona, then then it might. Uh, I don't know, be be easier, uh, or you don't you require less of these support tools uh, to to help help the team to share and and and, and uh, innovate. I guess uh, like a part of good innovation, I feel like, is the um, the you know, having tight feedback loops. So being good at communicating quickly and often and clearly. Uh, being in an office that's probably more suitable to be good and clear in your communication when it comes to voice while being distributed I feel like it's more of a focus on being good and clear in your communication and writing so looking for that skill might be suitable I feel like I'm not sure if that is done at Easy Park but I think that that would be good to check for yeah from my point of view or perspective I would say that we have not changed much in we recruiting since even, even during the pandemic we kind of always had in mind that we might go back to uh, to working fully in the office so we have always been like looking for candidates that are willing to relocate or are close to the the office that are active the recruited office space so say we're at the similar uh, similar position where we yeah. hire to the offices unless uh... I think that about 20-25% of our engineering workforce is, is hired remotely, but uh, a, the rest is hired either to the London office or into the Malmö office. And, and mm. sure, we have, in practice, we have a bit more of a hybrid model, but, but we, we, uh, we do encourage people to come into the office and we encourage people to meet up in the teams, either in, in Malmö office or in the London office uh, on, on a frequent basis. And, and I think that's that's critical, might be a too harsh word, but, but I think it's really, really important to, to spur innovation. Uh, and, how, and when you do hybrid, how often are you in the office? 
like a two day a week or yeah it it, it varies very mm. from team to team i'd say so so uh but but I, w- I would say something around that if i just look to myself and 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 i'm in the office about two days a week uh, mm. two to three days a week um and, and and i see that from from others too mm. yeah that seems to be some kind of preferred yeah. number oh yes i've seen the same some some are more or less but the average or some two two to three days and then as a manager, you can identify like domains or areas where we need to align more on this. We need to talk about this and, 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 and then you can schedule workshops or, or meetups or, 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 or things that you see. I think that those kind of things become more important for, for management when working more remotely, like that you yeah. try to have, take a step back and, and, and reflect on where where are we moving? How is the organization doing? Are the gaps are the things we as managers need to think about and make sure that we pay some attention to? Mm-hmm. So so uh, we do it together with our product uh, management or product engineering uh, team, and and on a quarterly basis we do these uh, quarterly planning or, or quarterly meetups so that that we uh, we do planning together, and then in between we do do. Um, team discussions and team meetups and, and so on. So, so we try to, to uh, meet up, uh, quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we, at this part, we actually do those quarterly plannings uh, on the Miro board because we are in so many countries, so it doesn't really make sense to meet up. You could meet up like locally in your own country, but still that doesn't really cover your immediate team. So yeah. in my immediate team that I work with, we are starting in six countries. Um, and we work daily with each other and, yeah, so like working through the mirror board is actually, uh, our way of doing it and we do it quarterly as well. That, that works out really well. Uh, we, we do in, in room meetups. We also done fully digital in, in Miro and the combination, the combination is terrible. <laughs> so, so, but, but, uh, you should either or like, uh, go for, for everyone in, 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 on video and, and doing the mirror thing, or you meet up be being remote in that setting will be, you're a satellite basically. And, and it may be hard to hear or hard to participate in a conversation that goes on in the room and so on. So, so uh, my preference is to do either, either or. Mm. 100%. We have actually had um, a question put in the comments that leads on from um, your question, Nicholas. And Fedora asked, is remote work productivity increased in terms of number of hours you put in and quality or creative problem solving, which delivers value and creates impact? So what are your thoughts on that question? I, I just I just thought that I, I have not seen a lot of factual data on this. Uh... I think most of the, at least internal things and a lot of the external things that are reported that I've seen have been like self-reporting data. And I think that is in this case, very, not the correct way to go in my opinion. So I would love to hear from the rest of you if you experienced or measured others. Yeah. I mean, with EasyBark, we don't, we don't really track this. Uh, this is something that I just out of curiosity check every once in a while, like, you know, the amount of commits done or uh, reviews done by the en- engineers, but... Uh, Maybe it's tied to like product delivery timings or... Yeah, but this is not something that I share with the team or that I... Yeah, yeah. Or that we generally speak about in... The... This is just personally from my own curiosity. 
uh, and I saw a productivity increase mm. uh, since the pandemic started. But that is not necessarily because we went to fully remote, because we also have introduced a bunch of other supporting teams that supports uh, the, the each other teams so that they are more productive. So like a platform team and you know various other teams. So um, it's not necessarily causal, but uh, but it is a trend. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was a great way to look at it as well to gather the numbers and it not be like this the velocity kind of thinking where you that used to be popular, but so a few years ago, I think it's great that you just keep it in turn. I think some of the win here is is that the individual get to uh, do their own time management. That uh, because a very subjective thing or, or somewhat subjective, where you can tomorrow I'm going to work from home. Then I then instead of trying to do this today while I'm in the office, I'm going to be getting this context switch and interruptions all the time. I put this on my to do list for tomorrow, and 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 then the day after tomorrow, when when tomorrow comes, you sit down and just you can turn off Slack. You can you can. Ignore emails. You have your big pot of coffee in front of you, and you just sit there and and and, and punch out uh, all the things you wanna you wanna wanna get done. So so and instead of commuting, you you just go sit front in front of a computer in your pajamas basically or or whatever. So it's it's a lot about individual like time management and and and, and yeah comfort of your home and and stress levels and and so on. So so. Um... I think that's, yeah. that's part of the benefits. Definitely. And then you can also batch uh, your activities uh, depending on where you are at. So if you're at home, certain activities might be more suitable. And if you're in the office, certain other activities might be more suitable. Mm. You set up your schedule in that kind of way that, you know, if I'm in the office, I'm willing to, you know, do X, Y, C because that's more suitable to do in the office rather than I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The question there is, or the the balancing act there is that you want to make sure that this is voluntarily chosen, right? Mm. So, so that the company doesn't dictate you have to be in on Mondays, Tuesdays, or Wednesdays. But yeah. the the actual individual contributor can choose which days they want to be in or not. I think that's key to yeah. build build trust and uh, move away from these um, um, uh, this need to to have people in the office just because. Yeah, I, I I agree with your point. The, my counter argument would be that, like, if I have a team of developers and we have set up like a hybrid setting, I, I would very much prefer to have all develop, developers in on the same days. What days they choose, that's I, I don't really care about that. But if they want to be like one or two days in the office, I really like if they can assure that they are on the same day. So like because the the brainstorming sessions and the discussions become much better if there are more people involved. But as you said, if you say like two days a week, it shouldn't be like they shouldn't go just because it says there's some rule that says they should be there for two days. It should, there should be a purpose. Nice, lovely. Well, hopefully that answers your question, Fedora. Um, and Frederick will move on to your question next. And you asked, how does a tech company withstand the test of time? So tell us a bit more about your question. Yes, I'm happy to. Uh, yeah. So, so how? Technology is is fantastic and great, right? And and uh, but it's also a fast moving thing. It, it's so so. How do companies 
withstand the test of time. And we have, we have uh, people here from from uh, Easy Park. It's a fairly new company, I'd say, and and then an old timer, Ericsson. So so uh, we think we have a great mix or, or pool of, of knowledge to uh, to uh, to pull from here in in, in that. And and uh, from our own perspective, we are also a fairly young company. Started in in the year two thousand, and we've been developing the, the graph database for, for the on-prem use case. And, and a big change in technology, I'd say, for us is, is the move to a, a cloud environment. So we have both on-prem customers and we have customers who want to consume our product as a service. So that's a big, I would say, technology shift for, for, for our type of product that we are, we are um, moving towards. Or, or we have it, done, but we're also moving, continue to, to move on that, on that trajectory. So, any any experience in this area from uh, from from any of you? Um... Yeah, I mean, Easypark is uh, was um, started in two thousand and one, uh, but it is the younger youngest one of the three. Um, and I think it's difficult, but I think the um, like when I because I I like reading books about innovation and entrepreneurships in general, and. Uh, seems to be actually less so the technology itself but how you apply that technology and and primarily the dis, how like the distribution strategy that you have and also the the business model so and that's actually what i think is the absolute key for eSpark. i think it's the the distribution model and the business model and uh, more so than the tech itself uh, and uh, making sure that you double down on whatever is working for you, while also leaving room for some explorations in the fringes of the adjacent uh, possible innovations that you can come up with uh, is key. So that you don't lock yourself into a path into the future, uh, but leave some optionality open. I think that's how do you how do you go about that? How do you accomplish like setting off time to to do whatever or like innovate? <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I can, I can jump in if you want to think of it. Uh, the picture of this we have used, like, we have tried several models. I think on average, we have some kind of the budget for, for like you're working on, on anything you want. This kind of like 10% of your work times, but it's, it's very hard to, to find that time. If you are just like, okay, then I, I should find four hours in a week somewhere, somehow, uh, we have tried, for example, like uh, what we call, used to call improvement Fridays, where it was like, okay, on Fridays, everyone is used to working on whatever they find is like innovative and uh, can can help the company in the long run. But uh, yeah, that that also had some like it, it it's very hard to uh, to find that time when you are constantly like uh, chasing product deliveries or deadlines or trying to reach KPIs, etc. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a big problem, uh, one that that uh, I think should be. Put more focus towards. I think you're exactly right with that. As you say, if if because we, as I said in earlier, we do quarterly plannings, and if you overload your plan, you yep. get tunnel tunnel vision, and you can only accomplish whatever whatever you have in front of you, and and you, you like to put these things on, on mm. and you know you can only look forward. So mm. so so I think that's that's not an optimal situation. You might have to do it like temporarily because of macroeconomics or because of uh, you need to finish something for 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 your development cycle or whatever but over time you do need innovation 
needs time. Uh, it's, it's my view or opinion that you need to set aside time. And it's hard to say, well, now I'm going to spend four hours innovating. That's uh, that's really hard to schedule, right? So so I'm going to come up with a great thing in in four hours, and so so you need to set aside time. And mm-hmm. We have we have and me as as a manager, I think my role is to encourage teams and make sure that teams have time to do that or to also take that into account mm-hmm. when making plans and so on. It's it's I I don't see my role to be like okay on Wednesdays you put set aside four hours to do innovation, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's up to the team to try to figure out how can they get this into their schedule in uh, in in a in a sensible way that that uh, they and as some teams they put things on a list kind of like this we we should try this out we should look into that and, and so on and then whenever they feel like the timing is right we do like today we do an exploration day and we 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 have three groups looking at you look at this tool or these things here we look at that and and, and then we meet up again and, and, and see what we learned from from that so mm. so that's one way of doing it so so uh, but yeah. if you have other other means um, I'm 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 eager to to yeah yeah I, I agree with you and I think this is where it's at least in like small and development teams it's very important to have a confident a strong uh, either like team leader or product owner or however your constellation looks like to so someone to like for, for example, in, in, in my area, I, I often like if someone comes to me with a, a good idea that I, I, I think like, or it sounds interesting, I, I usually ask them, like, have you thought about what would, what would be the gain? What would be the cost? What would, like, how much is the benefit to, to how much would it take to implement and how much would be gained from this? And then if they, if they come up with, or if they can find those numbers and I can see that like on paper, this makes sense. Then I, then I want to set up like, okay, can you, in a, in a week, can you get the, some kind of working prototype to show that this, the numbers you have received, are they, are, are they pointing towards what you're saying? Mm-hmm. And then like starting there, because if you have something, then it's very, it's so much easier at this from, from my point of view to say, this is worth spending time because we have data that shows that we, in the long run, this is how much money we will spend. Or, or say, yes, I kind of value benefit from it, if yeah. it's the uh, cost or if it's uh, performance exactly. or, or whatever. So, uh, so like a lot of prototyping and then like bringing in like very basic functionality things that should scale up, uh, and save a lot of money in the long run, because it's, as you said, like if a lot of the projects are like quarterly or, or longer and to just say like, ah, we, we take half a year and see if this works or not, this is a bit too much of a risk in my opinion, uh, then you need to have quite stern numbers on, uh, uh, how it will develop. Yeah, I think, um, um, in order for for teams to have that slack, if, if we want to call it that, uh, to explore and to to do, I want to say innovative sessions, but you know, enough time to explore uh, adjacent possible things of what they're currently working on. Uh, I, I think that's a something that the top management need to grant each team and each department to do. And once that is done. You can work with all this base layer of needs that the team needs to have. So, mm-hmm. like uh, good team constellation, trust, that kind of stuff, uh, and basically let things happen after that. Because the team will be closest to the customer; they will know uh, what needs to be done and what things that can be explored the best. And having the avoidance of interventions at that level, I think it's absolutely key as well. Um, and being comfortable to 
move away from we will deliver xyz in this quarter for sure and maybe remove one of those and be like we're going to make sure that we deliver x and what x and y and then explore z uh to leave room for that serendipitous discovery hmm. uh, i guess key as well to move away from committed or guaranteed deliveries we plan to deliver things but but then reality happens <laughs> so so you never you'd have to you have to schedule in the unknowns hmm. <laughs> but i think i think you're very right that it, it starts at the very top uh, you need to have buy-in uh, there and, and teams or product areas can innovate within like a frame or, or, or like within a, a space you're operating. But if it's like a disruptive technology, like chat GPT is a great example, then it might have to be a, a, a senior leadership uh, thing to, to see or, or, or do a SWOT on, on how does this impact us as a, as a business? What can this bring to us? Like disruptive technology, how can that uh, play, a, play a role uh, to us? Because that, that might be found out in, within teams too, but, but it's maybe not didn't be like a natural thing to explore in, in, in the domain they're operating in. So then, then that needs to, I think that needs to come from, from, uh, from even if like senior management in, in that case. Yes, for sure. Okay, nice. Well, I think we've come to the end of our questions from you guys. So if any of the viewers have any questions they want to ask, put them in the comments now. Um, there is one already for you. So Gemma asked, what are some of the common barriers to innovation and how can they be overcome to drive progress? So what are some of the barriers that you guys have seen? I've often seen uh, too too much focus on on delivery according to roadmap, like tunnel vision. You you overload the roadmap, and and, and there's no time whatsoever to to uh, deliver it on time uh, or complete the, the delivery, and and that's a killer for for innovation in in my view. Yeah, I, I agree. I second that, and I think it's not only a killer on innovation. It can also be just uh because usually it, it, it's the same with like technical depth or handling any kind of uh, yeah, I mean, we work that like if you work in a like when it's in the integration environment, like how do you make sure that the the amount of work just doesn't increase? Like you deliver more and more functionality, but you have to test the functionality as well. And, and how do you make sure that that is still sustainable? I think as as you said, if you only plan for for product delivery and and uh, adding new functionality, it's you you're gonna you're gonna crash at some point. Yeah, yeah. What what I've seen as well is that. Uh, on that tangent as well is that if teams are feeling that they are squeezed uh, that's not a good recipe and mm. or a good foundation as well as being too path dependent so mm. basically having their paths staked out for them for a year or more uh, it's a little bit soul crushing and mm. they want to you know feel that they own their own domain and that they have some creative constraints within their domain to do things mm. uh, that's a good recipe for for innovative work yeah yeah i think so crushing is it's a good term uh, i think like mentally I mean, if you if you if you even mentally know that you will not have time to uh to relax or, or think about innovative solutions or just sit down and have a coffee with a cup of coffee with your colleagues then i think innovation will suffer a lot you will just uh dread everything and I think that's very dangerous. I think it's not uncommon. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it starts with with empowering the teams to to control of, of their situation, like mm. up to the development and all all, all those things. And, and mm. when you have that in order, 
innovation may may uh, may prosper in, in 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 a good way. So yeah. we talked about it before this session that uh, like inspirations and and let's uh, let's mention to our our listeners that Marty Kagan. If you haven't haven't uh, read anything or listened to his TED talks. I think all of us here are, are very inspired by uh, by his work. So, so mm. that's that's a recommended reading or, or listening. Yeah, I agree. Nice, lovely. Do any of you have any other questions that you want to ask each other while you're here? Speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> well, I think it was very interesting and very very good for me to yeah to listen to some more a bit more seasoned uh, people in the area. Yeah, likewise. I thought it was really, really nice to hear hear your your thoughts and ideas on on uh, on these things. Yeah, it was very fun. Lovely. Well, we'll leave it there then. This has been another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. I just want to thank Frederick, Alexander, and Nicholas for joining us this morning and obviously speaking about all your experiences and ideas. Um, if you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolution-nordic.com and of course check out our channel for any other podcasts Um, but thank you guys again really appreciate your time and see you next time everyone